Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Keisha Green, that's my lady, yo. If you can tune in, it's the way to go. Educated author with major goals. I'm becoming right here, you have the place to be. It's the fourth, get mentored, and it's all for free. Ooh, we, and you know where it's at. With Miss Green on the right side of the chat. I write with a purpose, so everything is worth it. An educated platform, something you can work with. Read it, yeah, come over here. Come and get the info from some of your peers. Pull over line, yeah, we got open air. Talk what you love and express what you fear. Afraid to lose, but born to win. Hey, Miss Keisha, yeah, we're trying to go win. Come on. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Writer's Life Chat. This is Keisha Green. It is a manic Monday, and I'm so glad that you guys are joining me here tonight. OMG. Can I just tell you, all right, normally I'll go in about the books that I'm reading, or I want you to tweet me the books that you're reading, but how about, like, I had a hella dope day today. Let me just tell you what happened, right? So I'm in New York at the Wendy Williams Show, right? And, oh, my goodness, and you guys, if you follow me on social media, you saw my post. So Keisha Green had her two minutes of um, fame, and she plugged a book and herself. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better PR. I couldn't have paid anybody an amount of money, you know, for what happened today. But it was a great experience for those who watched it. Thank you so much. I've, um, oh, my God, I've been laughing and, um, you know, just talking about it all day. I appreciate the inbox of the Texas and all the love that you guys have been showing me on Facebook and Instagram. Like, I looked at it, I'm like, oh, my God, it's like over 300 some odd um, posts, um, you know, about me being on there today. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you're familiar with the Wendy Williams show, she has a segment where she says, ask Wendy. And my question was, I'm a writer who's been writing for years, and I wrote a book about some of my friends, and it's some juicy, scandalous stuff. The book is going to come out. Should I tell my friends, or should I just tell them, you know, it's fiction and keep it moving? And Wendy said, you know, she understands being a writer, uh, author of multiple titles, yeah, your friends buy the first book, but they don't always buy the second or third or fourth. So she goes, don't say a word, but she did say, but I want you to send me a copy of that book. Okay, you heard that. I said, ah! So, yes, it was awesome. So, again, thank you for all the love that you guys have been showing me on social media today. But um, let's shift gears and get right into the Writer's Life Chats and why I do what I do. Tonight we'll be chatting with Dawn Michelle Hardy, who is a publicist as well as a literary agent. So tonight, guys, of all shows to tune in, this is definitely the show you do not want to miss because Dawn will be talking about self-publishing, what the majors are looking for when submitting your manuscript to acquisition editors at major publishing houses, as well as what she does 
as a publicist and so forth and so on. So I need for you to show some love to the show and please call in. The number is 718-508-9827. Also, if you'd like to post your questions in the chat room, please do so. But you do have to make a profile on the Blog Talk page radio. Otherwise, you'll just be able to read the questions, um, read what's going on in the chat room, but you won't be able to post questions. Or if you don't want to do that, you can tweet me on Twitter at Keisha Green. I will read the questions live on the air, so no worries about that. So there's all ways to get connected. Again, the number is 718-508-9827, and that is the number to call in to, um, excuse me, to chat with myself or Dora Michelle tonight on the show. For those who do not know who Dora Michelle is, I'll just give you a little quick tidbit. Dawn Michelle Hardy has been called the literary lobbyist by Ebony Magazine for her ability to help authors reach their readership using strategic promotions, win awards, and garner national and local media attention. She has dual roles in the book publishing industry as both publicist and literary agent. She founded her own company, Dream Relations. In 2011, she joined Serendipity Literary Agency, where she aids in shaping the careers of platform writers. So, listen, you do not want to miss tonight's show. I mean, seriously, again, like I said, um, as an aspiring writer, this is the show for you. Uh, author already published, you might have self-published, but now you want to shift gears and you might have dreams of being with the major. For those who do not know what I mean when I say a major, a major publisher, meaning, you know, your Simon & Schuster, your Random House, you know, all of that, your Dafina, your Kensington, all of those great publishing houses. And in order to go to those levels, you do need to have a literary agent um, and have to have an awesome manuscript. So Dawn will be on the line shortly to tell us what those things are that – you know, those publishers look for what she looks for as an agent before she, you know, signs on to be the agent to represent the author. I know it, um, social media makes it look really easy for a lot of people where it's like, oh, my goodness, one day they had a dream of writing a book, and then the next day it's like, oh, I got a book. But you don't see the behind the scenes, and it's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. There's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of rejection letters. Um a lot of, you know, it's just a lot that goes into it. So I tell, you know, I tell my clients and anyone, um, you got to have thick skin in this industry as a self-published author because you'll get a lot of no's before you get a yes. And you have to take this serious and not even to plug my own book, Books to Our Business. Once you treat your self-publishing journey as a business, then things will take off and you will see yourself not making the mistakes you were making before and things will be a little bit sooner. I say all the time that self-publishing is not hard. It's just if you're listening to a lot of people giving you a lot of different information, it can confuse you and cloud your judgment. So you might want to do what Susan said. You might want to do what Ted said. You might want to do what Kelly said. And then ultimately you end up listening to someone else. You got full in your head and you don't know who, you know, who to choose. So then you get on Facebook, you ask a group that says, you know, it's a group geared towards self-published authors like yourself, and then you get a fifth opinion, and you're more confused about the process before you even ask anybody. So I'm trying to tell you, you know, just treat it like a business. Invest in it. Invest in yourself. That means if you are thinking about sending your, um, excuse me, your manuscript over to a publisher, make sure you're putting the best your best foot forward in the sense being that you have that manuscript 
properly, professionally edited. Um, not someone who just took your manuscript and ran it through the spell check on Microsoft Word or someone who ran it through Grammarly online, a real editor. There's different levels of editing. So you want, you know, you know, the copy editing, your developmental editing, you know, and so on and so forth. So you want to make sure that you are putting your best foot forward and understand the roles of the editor and what to, you know, what to expect. Because a lot of times people think that the editor is just this miracle worker of words and they're just going to make your story pop. Well, if the story wasn't that great to begin with, there's only so much work the editor can do. And that goes tying in with Dawn Michelle, where she's an agent. So she's going to look over that manuscript, and she's going to critique it more so than that editor critiqued it and let you know what the publisher is looking for, why they wouldn't take yours, and, you know, everything else. So, again, this is a great show. I'm super excited. Please have your questions ready. Also, when, um, when I take your call, if you're just listening, please say you're just listening so I can get on to the next call and we're not just sitting there listening to that, you know, that dead air poster. If you're shy, that's okay. No problem. Inbox me on Facebook. Tweet me. Um, go in the chat room and post them. I promise you I will read them on the air and um, try to get as many questions in as possible. So let me just shout out the phone number again. For the show, it is 718-508-9827. I just said a mouthful. Oh, my goodness. But let me um, also, before we even get Dawn on the line, I want to let you guys know that tonight's show is sponsored by Concepcion Multiservices for all your typing, proofreading, and editing needs. Angela Concepcion is a proofreader and a typist, and if you need your manuscript typed up or proofread or you have a project you need a beta reader, definitely reach out to her. She can be found on Facebook under Concepcion Multiservices. She does a great job, speedy turnaround, professional service, and reasonable rates. And we all know that we, when it comes to this book stuff, we got to count those coins and we got to spend it wisely. So we don't want to, you know, spend an arm and a leg, but we want quality. So, yes, again, tonight's show is sponsored by Concepcion Multiservices. Also, now I can bring now I can ask you guys. So what are you reading? I want to know what books you're reading, what new books were released. If you were for author or publisher, your book came out today or last week, please call into the show so we can shout it out and you know show some love. Um, I always like to hear about that because you know my hashtag get caught reading. So I want to know what are you guys reading? Tell me, tweet me. I want to know. Also too, I would like to tell you guys to check out Literary Jewels. The website is www.myliteraryjewels.com. It's a place for readers by authors. There's commentary. There's book reviews. There's author spotlights. There's everything under the sun. It's definitely a place that you um, you want to check out. So, again, the website is www.myliteraryjewels.com. So get caught reading that. You know, I always have to throw in a shameless plug there. It wouldn't be um, – the writer's life chat. If Keisha Green wasn't saying that, but um, let's. I want to go ahead and get started with the show. And before I do so, I do want to uh, mention the number again because someone just said they um they missed it. The number, the call in number is seven one eight five zero eight nine eight two seven. And I also want to let you guys know that you can post questions in the chat room. You just have to create a profile on the Blog Talk Radio page and post your questions there, and I will read them on the air to Dawn, and we can um. We can have some fun. So I'm going to get this sto- excuse me, show started. I think my guest is here. 
And yep, she's here. I'm gonna I'm gonna answer and we're gonna go. Okay, here we are. Hello, welcome to the Writers Life Chat. Hi, Keisha. Hi, Dawn. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Okay. I was I was listening it's to you manage. before you announced me. <laughs> yeah, I go through this whole spill. I was like, oh my god, I said a mouthful. Like, like just run like it was like a big like a I wouldn't even call it a rant. It was just a it was just it was it was a lot, but you know the good thing about it, they take it in, they get what they need from it, and hopefully they'll learn. So I'm excited about this because I know you have a lot of knowledge on this topic, on this industry. But before we go mm-hmm. into that, Dawn, please let the listeners know a little bit about who Dawn Michelle Hardy is. <laughs> I was laughing when people <laughs> asked me that. Um, well, who am I? Okay, I'm a Pisces now. Um, I am um, a book publicist as well as a literary agent. I've been working in publishing since 2002. Um, I started working with Terry Woods, and I basically was running uh, the day-to-day business for her, and Terry is the author of Truth to the Game. So I worked with her for two years, and then after that I started Dream Relations PR Agency, and I've been doing book publicity now for 13 years. And then six years ago I added literary agent to my resume simply because as a publicist, I work with a lot of first-time or either self-published authors, and every now and then you mm-hmm. come across a diamond in the rough, and that person shouldn't have to self-publish their second book. So I became an agent so I can learn what that process was like. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Okay, so now te- take me into the the day-to-day with Dawn, with the with the self-published author, I'm going to talk. Um, I'm going to ask you a little bit later about the authors that are get, that get signed to a major. But tell me about okay. the day-to-day with the self-published author and what your expectations are and what you're able to do. Okay, so when a person is self-published, a lot of times one of the things that we started doing maybe like three years ago is offering consultations because what we were finding was that everybody believes that they should have a publicist, and that's not necessarily true. Um, whether they can afford one or not is really just about how much of the homework have you done to really understand what a publicist does and where your book fits in the marketplace. So one of the things we do is offer consultations. We want to know that the authors, one, your project can't be finalized. We want to have input on what the cover artwork looks like, what the cover synopsis says on the back, um, the editing and the typesetting, because, again, your book is self-published. But if you hire us as a publicist, I'm competing for Page Space and Ebony Magazine the same way HarperCollins, Penguin, Random House, that their publicists are pitching the same editor. And I don't want the editor to, mm. to look and say, oh, Dawn's work is self-published. A person shouldn't be able to tell. So I like to work with self-published authors where there's no distinct description, there's no distinct look about their self-published book that separates them from the quality that HarperCollins is putting out. So for me, I really mm. want to know if the author has done their due diligence, and that's why we started doing the consultation. So we basically break down, like, okay, I see that, you know, you created your cover this way, but here are some things you should consider. The back cover synopsis is too vague, and it doesn't really leave the, um, the reader with any type of emotions that they would want to commit to, to, to a sale, basically. So those little things before you hire a publicist is little tidbits like that that we want to make sure that the author is aware of because they need to know what they're up against. You mm-hmm. want publicity, you want mm-hmm. to be on this radio show, you know, you want to be in this magazine. Is your product even worthy of that? 
you know, mm. and, and that's and that's and that's, yeah. that's extremely important because it manages expectations. Now I'm not a bad publicist because yeah. I can't get you in a magazine. Maybe it's because your synopsis has a whole bunch of typos in the back. You know, these these are things that they look at. <laughs> We're all media people. Everybody writes for a living. Some people write books. Some people write magazine articles. So making sure that the content is well-written and that it looks good because that's the business that we're all in. So it's, mm-hmm. it's important okay. that self-published authors, um, the earlier on that they can come and at least have the conversation so that when they're designing the cover, you know, that's a good place mm-hmm. to start. Yeah. Okay. So I guess that pretty much um, kind of answers my second question, which would be what are some of the mistakes that you see with self-published authors? Because I know you mentioned <laughs> that if they're, um, you know, you don't, if you're competing for ad space in a magazine, mm-hmm. you don't want it to look homemade. You don't want it to look self-published. Yes, so for exactly. you to say that, that's coming from experience of what you've seen over these years. And I'm not, I'm not going to dispute it. There's a lot of covers that do have a look that say, okay, I just got Photoshop versus you paying for a graphic <laughs> right. designer. And I don't, and exactly. no disrespect to anyone because, you know, you have to start somewhere, but you can't, right. be, you can't do that and then wonder why, like you said, well, no one's buying my book. I can't get ad space. I can't, you know, all of these other things. So um, let our listeners know a couple of, you know, common mistakes that you see. Okay, so um, when it comes to the book cover, there's two things that, I don't know, maybe five, seven feet away from the book. You should be able to clearly see what the title of the book is and who wrote it. And a lot of times, you know, I've, I've seen covers where the graphics is, is so busy, and then it's like, well, what is the name of the book? Because they wanted to put the words in some type of, like, strategical, like, angles and, you know, make it a shadow on the, on the words. And I'm just like, no, like, clearly, what is the title of the book? If I can't say True to the Game and who's the author, Terry Woods, I shouldn't have to try to figure out the word game because it's mixed into some graphics. So a lot of times I, I find that um, when they're doing their own cover or based on covers mm-hmm. that they've seen in an effort to be original, it becomes messy. The fonts are niche, okay. are niche match. Um, the graphics is, is, too, um, is too crowded. Everything doesn't have to go on the front cover. If there's a story that you're telling based off of the graphics that you're using on the cover, Sometimes that could that could continue on to the back because a lot of times if you look at books and open it up, you know, is is one big mm-hmm. picture that takes front and back up. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I find mm-hmm. published authors want to put everything on the front, and, and it's just too messy. Right. It's, they're not clean. They're they're just not clean. Okay. A lot of times you see. Um, okay. And again, you you know, I am on the NAACP um, Image Award Committee, so I look. I get what forty five submissions all fiction, and it could be from self-published authors. There's clearly a difference in the majority of the self-published books versus the ones that the major publishers are putting out. And the only time when I see it's done well is because that person has either had a book deal before with a major publisher or is willing to spend the money to work with people who have worked with Mm. authors that have been published before. Mm. Because then at that point in time, they have a sense of corporate style um, putting um, book covers and stuff together. So, again, it's not just hiring some random person because they're a graphic designer or even necessarily doing it yourself. And if you do want to do it yourself, just research. Go and look at 10 books that are selling well in your category and just look at those 10 covers. 
And then, and then yeah. you know, compare yours. You want it to be clean. You don't want anybody to be able to point out and say, that's a self-published book. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Definitely. a lot of times if you just go and see what is out in your category, that in itself will, will, would change uh, self-published authors from, um, from some of the designs that they come up with it for their covers. Yeah, don't look I, at I other agree with you. Authors. Look at what the corporate companies are putting out. Right, right. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I want to ask you, too, with that, mm-hmm. when you covers, and I've had, you know, on Facebook or different various groups where authors, self-published authors will say, well, the books that are with the majors, they look mainstream and they look like they're being targeted to another audience. But I'm a black author. I want to stay true to who I am and I feel like I'm selling (laughs) out. What do you say to that, Dawn? Well, here's here's the thing I say to that as as a publicist and as an agent. Whenever people say, oh, I want to stay true to who I am, you, you can stay true to who you are. But are you in this business because you want to sell lots of copies, you want to win awards, you want to make a lot of money, or is it just because you just want 50 copies to give out at the family reunion? Because if you want 50 copies for the family reunion, then you can hang up. You don't even need to listen to us talk. Like, but if you want to win awards, you want to be respected by the, the media as well as other authors in your category, the mainstream is where you want to go. No one has ever said, no, thank you, I only want $500 as opposed to $5 million. No, no one, no one turns, no one ever turns that down. So when people say, "Oh, well, that's mainstream," every independent person, even if they want to stay independent, they want mainstream money. Mm-hmm. You know, so like saying that it it doesn't it doesn't really argue a case because there are covers by African American authors whose books have gone mainstream, but again, there still had to be some tweaks done. Because, again, you want people beyond black people to read your book. That's your first yeah. audience, but you should have a primary, a secondary audience as well. You know, mm. not only black people read like urban it. fiction or, or books by African-American authors. This is true. This is true. Yeah, I, um, when I hear that, it's always like, hmm, interesting, and I'm glad you used that example. Like, do you want to, you know, receive awards, be recognized for your contribution to literature, or do you want to just, you know, give them out at the family reunion? Because if that's your goal, right. so be it. It can happen. You can do it. Nobody will say anything <laughs> exactly. to you. Then we you won't can have whatever no you want on your Exactly. You can check that like off. Like, I just want to have this by August for the family picnic. Well, then, okay. Then that's a different type of conversation. But if you think that you should be at the Essence Music Festival or the Tom Joyner Morning Show Cruise, if you want to participate in, um, you know, the Brooklyn Book Festival, the Baltimore Book Festival, then you you need to come with clean, polished, more mainstream look. Okay. You know, and a lot of Um, times, a lot of times, mainstream doesn't mean. You know, I don't even know what negative connotation people have when they hear mainstream. Like, there's an author we work with, uh, Sadiqa Johnson, and her book was called Love in the Carry-On Bag. The book was about mm-hmm. an African-American couple who dated long distance, and as their career opportunities began to grow, it was taking a toll on, on their relationship, and they had to figure out how are we going to, like, close the space between us when you have opportunities in mm-hmm. New York and I have opportunities in D.C. But her cover, mainstream is, for me, is basically allowing, if the book is for women, any woman should be able to pick it up and resonate with the cover. So if that's two right. beach chairs with two hats on it, okay, 
black, white, Spanish, or whatever. Yeah. You've been to the beach and sat in the beach chair with a friend before. We've been to the so beach. that doesn't say that's gotcha. a black experience. It's two beach chairs, and when you read, you find out that this is about two friends. You know, or uh-huh. loving a carry-on bag. The cover, you see a woman's torso, but she's sitting on a suitcase trying to zip it up. Uh-huh. So you don't, you can't, she's fair-skinned. You just see her arm. You don't know if she's black, Latino, or a white woman with a tan. The point is she's packing her overnight bag, which goes, lends itself to the story. So a lot of times mainstream is really just thinking, for me, my approach to helping authors with covers is think of a scene within your book and see if you could work with a graphic designer to, to recreate that scene. That happens in movie posters all the time. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're you know, right. So definitely. So, so there is a way to do it without feeling like, oh, this cover is too, too white or too mainstream. Because to me, I think when people say mainstream, that's really what they mean. You know. <laughs> right. And I, and I, I, just, I think it, putting items right. on the cover as opposed to people is always a good way because again, anybody can relate to two beach chairs. Now, if I made put a black woman there and she's in some short shorts, it's like. Now, now you're making it very. Now, a white woman is not necessarily going to like gravitate to that for her summer read. But again, uh, two empty beach chairs with two women's hats on the back. That's not really. Definitely. You still have to read the story and come up with your own imagination on what the characters um, what the characters will look like. Definitely. definitely so you just want people to yeah. You want people to be able to to, to relate to the image. Mm. Definitely, I totally agree with you. So now, with now that answer and the previous answer, this you know it was more so like with the literary agent um, hat that you're wearing, and with the publicist hat. A lot of times, mm-hmm. um, people want they want a publicist or they want someone who can you know promote their brand and give them exposure. This, that, and the third. As a publicist, um, I want you to dispel some of the myths that people have when they hire a publicist, kind of like when I was saying earlier um, about the the people who think editors are like a miracle worker with words, they're just going to fix right. it and make it perfect. What do you right. come across as a publicist where you're like, no, not what I do, you know, that type of okay. thing. Okay. Well, a lot of times, um, you know, now social, social media is like the, the newest um, division in most uh in most PR agencies, but if you're if you're self-published, um, I don't think you should be hiring somebody to do social media for you because that's that's the low-hanging fruit. But even if you hired an agency, somebody fresh out of college is um, is basically running the social media. And once you learn like the tricks and and you know how to get how to get your content out there, that's something that you can do um, uh-huh. on your own. A lot of magazines that people grew up on are folding. And they're, all, and they're going digital. But also the lead time, like I was telling someone earlier today, um, we last year we pitched in January. I started talking to the book editor at Essence Magazine. The, uh-huh. the client's piece ran in Ebony, I mean it ran in Essence in the June issue. We started talking to yeah. him in January of 2015. She was in the June 2015 issue. So that's six months apart. Okay. So if you come as my mm-hmm. client in May and your book is coming out June 15th, you will not be in any summer issue of any national publication because all of those publications mm-hmm. are already closed and already at the printing press or in boxes being distributed to 
bookstores and, and magazine mm-hmm. shops throughout the country. It's, it's over. You missed it. So one of the things that, that's happening now is people are looking more at digital PR, where all of your placements are online. So even if you do Facebook Live uh, for The Root or for Cheddar, which is a division of, um, of Blavity, so now a lot of media outlets, Essence Live has one. So you can get your video component by doing it online, as well as your interviews, your book reviews, everything being done online. The turnaround time is a lot quicker. And if you come to me in May, I can still get you online press throughout the summer. You won't be in a physical magazine mm. because all of those commitments was, was pretty much wrapped up in, like, February or March. It's like a five-month right. lease time when you pitch a magazine. Mm. Okay, okay. So, you know, good, so pitching, know. pitching books that come out in the summer, you need to do that as soon as the year starts. Mm. You know, Memorial Day, you should be pitching whatever books are coming out in the fall. So, again, okay, that cool. that's a long lead time. So a lot of times people just don't know the lead time, which which doesn't um, – which makes it harder, basically, to manage expectations of a publicist. You know, also for me, um, you know, byline byline articles. If you're a writer of a book, then you're a writer. If you're a writer, you can write your own articles. We had one author who didn't um, who didn't want to write like byline articles, and I was like, you're getting your name in front of the audience of this particular media outlet. Like the days of people interviewing you, you really have to be of note. Or the person is an old-school journalist where they actually like getting on the phone and transcribing. That's time-consuming. Mm-hmm. And most of these websites right. are run by no more than five people, and they're putting up content 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Nobody has time to interview you, then transcribe it, then write it out, then have it edited. That takes too long. So a lot of times mm-hmm. they'll even say, oh, you know what, if your client wants to write a piece for ebony.com, have her write something, keep it to 700 words, send it over and we'll go from there. A lot of exchanges happen that way. Or I'll send you these seven questions, have your client fill it out and email it back to me, and then I'll edit those seven questions into a piece. But getting on the phone and someone interviewing you about your life, that's so old school, and while it is pleasant to be interviewed by other people, no one has really a lot of time to do that anymore. So the the, the self-published author that's looking for people to get on the phone and want to interview them, no one wants to do that. No one has the time to do that. Right, right, definitely. Okay, so then that's right. If you want those type of interviews, you got to do radio. Yeah. Okay. Oh wow. This is. Oh my goodness, Dawn. This like you're giving. You're dropping so many <laughs> jewels, and like I'm looking at the switchboard, and I'm about to go into the um into that segment and take some calls. Okay. Because like these are jewel. These are some jewels, and I hope the listeners, you got your pen and pad out because like um she's dropping them. I'm gonna take a caller now. Area code nine one six. Hello. Welcome to the Writers Like Chat. Who's this? Nine one six, you there? Just listen. I'll put you back in the queue. All right, back in the queue you go. What area code is nine one six? Okay. I'm about to Google it actually because I was looking like, where is that? Nine one six area code. Um, let me just say this too for the listeners. I'm going down the switchboard, um, the call list, and if you're just listening, please say you're just listening so that I don't take your call and you know stay here. Don't like that air. So I can go on to the next one. Nine one six is Sacramento, California. 
All right. Oh, wow. Well, thank you, Sacramento, for tuning in. I appreciate it. There's nothing wrong with that. You, Let me go on to the next. Are you able to right. share in, in the chat room the, the Ebony link? Because I, I think that that would be helpful um, yeah. to listeners. So if you wanted to share that with them, you can. Yeah, I will. I definitely will do that. Um, for the people that are on the that are in the chat room, I see there are some guests. If you want to go ahead and create a profile, you can do such, and then I'll be able to ask questions from what you read from that article. So we can um, why we have Dawn still on the show. But um, let me go on. Um, while I'm doing that, let me take the next call. Six seven eight. I'm taking your call. Hello, welcome to the Writers Life Chat. Who's this? I think that's Atlanta. Is six seven eight Atlanta? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I believe so too. Six seven eight. Are oh. you there? Hi. Here, guys. It's nothing. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Dawn is not going to bite. Just ask your questions, <laughs> but I will put you back in the queue as well. Six seven eight. All right. Uh oh. Dawn, don't hurt. And listen, they don't want to talk, but that's okay. That's okay because she's giving a lot of knowledge. And if you just tuned in, the show will be archived, so you can go back and listen, replay it, and so forth and so on. So it's no problem with that. So um, let me ask you, Dawn, with the, um, the business that you're in and mm-hmm. literary, like you have, obviously you have to have a passion for it, or this would be, you know, become something tedious to you. Yeah. What yeah. are your long-term goals? What are my long-term goals? Oh my gosh. I feel like every 18 months I have to tweak it a little bit. Um, okay. Long-term, I really would like to, um, to be able to explore and make a lucrative career doing book to film. That's okay. um, book to film, book to television, but yeah, book to screen is um, is the direction that I would like to go in. You know that that process okay. is even longer than the production process of a book, so um, mm-hmm. it's just a matter of if I have the stamina for it. But book to film is the direction I would like to go. Mm-hmm. You know, having authors who yeah. either get it, you know, get a show, or you know, their writing becomes a show or becomes a movie. Mostly shows. I mean, I know mm-hmm. how hard how big it is to do, um, you know, it's a process to really get like a film and, and get that greenlit. But there's a lot of content out there that I think can make for great sitcoms and, and, and cable network shows. Definitely, definitely. So that's yeah. cool because that would definitely be a good um, transition. Let's say you had a client, Jane Doe, she, um, you helped her with her book deal with a major, and now mm-hmm. it goes on to be a cable series or a movie. Like, that is awesome yeah. because you, you watched Jane blossom into this, you know, this powerhouse. Yeah. So, you know, well, one of the, so well, one of the things I have cool. two, um, two female authors that I've worked with, and they've, they've done novels. And um, mm-hmm. at one point in time, one of the authors, when her first book came out, it was so long ago that e-books wasn't a thing. So she actually has her, okay. her e-book rights and the rights of, of the book because it's been over 15 years, so she's gotten her rights back. So what I'm doing is going to clients that um, have self-published works. Either either they were with mm-hmm. a major and they got their, their rights back or uh, their first project was self-published, and those are going to be some of the first books um, that I would basically take to Hollywood to see if we can get TV or um you know, TV or, or film, mm-hmm. because I already know the author. Yeah. I know the story. Mm-hmm. I know that the authors have press. I know that they've built a brand. Mm-hmm. So at that point in time, we just go to the next level because everything, they have everything I need for me to actually now go into a room and start talking about the project. 
Okay, awesome. Yes. Okay, so let me ask you this. Um, are you accepting new clients? Yes. Um, mostly with nonfiction. Um, when it comes to novels, right now I'm definitely looking for projects that would be um, our big summer reads. But, again, knowing that, you know, if we don't sign someone until, like, February, March for that, the likelihood of them being inside of the magazines um, is slim. However, we have the whole summer to get them as much digital and, and radio and just like summer event opportunities. The earlier you come to us, uh, the easier mm-hmm. it is. Because a lot of times when these festivals and stuff, when they end, maybe within mm-hmm. a month they're already on to the following year. So when you start seeing flyers like, oh, wow, Terry McMillan is going to be the featured author at XYZ, that decision was made two minutes after the last event. So, again, wow. you can't come okay. in May saying my book comes out in June and I want to be a featured author. At that point in time, the featured author mm. spots are already filled. Maybe you might pay to get a table, and we don't like for clients to do that. So, again, it's about coming to us sooner than later, even if you just come for a consultation. Part of the consultation is basically putting together a production timeline so that you can step away and say, okay, this is what the next six months would look like for me financially and time-wise. Mm-hmm if I'm to achieve said goal. That's basically what we do. We just want people to have a full understanding of what the heavy lift is in front of them and just make sure that their expectations are manageable. Okay. All right. That leads me into another question because obviously being an agent, you work with the major publishers, and so you know what this publisher might um, be into and, you know, looking for versus the other ones. Um, but I'm trying to trying to figure out how I can ask this where you can give not so much a generic answer, but just an answer that would give the listeners an idea of, okay. Are you about to ask I'm, me about um, how much advanced people get? No, no. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm about to say, because that's a common, that's a common question and there is no generic answer. No, no, it could I'm be from zero to millions. <laughs> no, I was I'm basically just going to ask, um, for example, say, Kensington is looking for um, interracial romance and contemporary women's fiction, but you know that Dafina wants um, paranormal or whatever the case may be. Knowing this information, you are able to, you know, tell your clients this, obviously. But as the listeners, what would you say? Because someone could say, um, well, I don't know what Justina is looking for. I don't know what Penguin is looking for. So how would I know? I just know I have this story. So is it up to you to do that legwork, or should the author have an idea as well? Well, is this, is this an author that basically wants to find a literary agent? Yes. That can okay. lead to a publishing so. So, okay, so one of, one of the ways that people can go about finding a literary agent is, um, and this is, this is so old school, but a lot, of, a lot of times in most book acknowledgments you can find it, is looking in the acknowledgments of, of people's books. And nine out of ten authors recognize their literary agent in the name of the, um, in the, name of the agency in their book. But you also want to work with a literary agent that has experience working in your type of book. Like me personally, I don't do romance. But there are other agents at Serendipity that do acquire romance. I just don't. So, you know, I would have to talk to my team and find out, like, okay, well, what are the top ten publishers that do romance? But also at the same time, anybody who has Internet can look that up. You know, there, there are conferences dedicated to, um, to, to romance writers. So, again, it's really about you as a writer. 
once your proposal is done or your manuscript is finished, there's other research and work to be done for you to find an agent. Mm-hmm. You know, because we get people that submit all the time, and they'll basically send one email to every agent at the agency. And what ends up happening mm-hmm. is nobody opens it. Because if you're sending this to everybody, then you definitely didn't read my bio to see that I don't mm-hmm. do the same projects as everybody else. So, so right. again, that person gotcha. didn't do their homework, and they just said, oh, I'm going to send this to everybody at Serendipity. Mm-mm. I don't, I don't acquire any work of fiction, you know, as, as an agent. So, again, when someone's like, oh, this is my YA novel, that means on a minimum you didn't read my bio on the website. So if you don't want to do that little bit of research, you right. know, it's, it's a partnership. Right. Like me about. taking on a client as an agent, that, that becomes a partnership. I'm choosing to make you my client because I believe that what you come to the table is quality and value that I can sell and I like your work and your platform, and I think that together you and I will make a good partnership. And now we're going to go find the third person in our partnership, which is going to be the editor that's going to buy this book. But if you aren't able to okay. do your research and even know what type of books I've already sold and what type of content I'm looking for, and you send me a romance novel and I don't do fiction at all, then yeah. you're, that's, you're not a good partner for me because you don't even know what I do. And, again, that's what you can find on the website. A lot of agents will say people don't even look up to see what I've done before they start pitching me their work. We get submissions all the time. So it's time-consuming to weed through all the submissions. But to get something and know that the person is sending you something that you don't do, and it clearly says in your bio that you don't do it at that point in time. Mm. It's easy just to, to send them a rejection letter. You don't even have to read the content. Right. Right. So, gotcha. it's, so it's important okay. for authors to do, to do their research. Um, research. What is it? Writer's Digest, uh, the, literary, the Guide to Literary Agents. It comes out every year, a new version. Mm-hmm. It's um, okay. Writer's Digest, Guide to Literary Agents. You can find the book on, um, on Amazon or either writersdigest.com, and it's basically kind of like a yellow okay. pages for literary agents around the country, so not just okay. New York. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm going to jump back in on this um, switchboard and take another caller. 214 area code, I'm taking your call. Hello, welcome to the Writer's Life Chat. Who's this? 214? Just listening? I'm going 214. (laughs) Wait, are they just listening? No, no, no. I, you know, I tell them. Tell me that you're just listening so I can go on to the next call because otherwise this is what happens. So, um, you know, I'm trying to get as many calls as I am because I know that, you know, you have, you're on a time schedule as well. So I'm like, all right, just tell me if you're listening or, you know, you actually have a question. Let me go. I'm going to I'm gonna post up a eight. graphic on my um, – oh, just open it for you. I'm going to post up a graphic on my, on my Instagram page. Hold on one second. Okay. Okay, and I'm going to take. I'm going to post this, an um, image on my on my Instagram page um, to allow mm-hmm. people to then go and just like post up their questions. So even okay. after, if you want right. to do that, the Instagram page is. Um, oh, you have someone. I have someone on four six nine. She says I am just listening. She just sent me an inbox okay. on Facebook. Okay, she so said she's just I'm listening. Okay, you. that's that's fine. I'm gonna skip you and I'm gonna go to the eight six five number. Hello, welcome to the Writers Like Chat. Who's this? Hi, Miss Keisha. This is Patrice Smith. How are you? Hi, Patrice. How are you? 
Good. How you doing? Congratulations on your TV debut. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was funny. You I on had, TV? I, I had a good okay. Time. Congratulations. <laughs> it, was, um, it was so like uh, totally un, un, unexpected. When I tell you unexpected, I was just there going with my niece, and then they asked me that I want to ask a question for the Ask Wendy segment, and I'm like, okay, and I asked for some advice, and they picked my question, lo and behold, now Wendy's asking me, you know, and I'm like, oh, wow, okay, so there it was, but yes, my two minutes of fame, it was fun, I had a great time, I was nervous, but um, yeah, but thank you for Thank you for watching. Lena, do I have a question for Miss, uh, for Miss Hardy? Oh, my God, please call me Dawn. Um, Ms. Don, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> What's your question? Um, does, a plat- does platform mean established? Because I did go on Serendipity and look at your bio for Associate uh-huh. A and what you're looking for, and it says you're looking for platform-driven um, general narratives. Is that established? Yes. So, so established as far as you as the writer? Right, like you've got something out, you've got a buzz already, or do you generally work with people right out of the gate? No, um, as as an agent, I prefer um, so that that line in my bio, platform um, driven general narrative, is basically like did you already come to the table with the platform? Like for example, we worked with the author. His name is um, D. Watkins. So now D. was already writing for Salon, and he was writing about. There's a lot of things that he was seeing in, in pop culture, in the urban world, with police brutality and injustice. He was able to get a book deal, and it was a series of essays, and a lot of those essays had already gone viral, and people were familiar with his work online. So at the time he gets a deal, and we're basically debuting his book, his bio reads that he's a featured, um, he's a featured writer for XYZ website, that he teaches here, that he's done TED Talks, that he's been – a guest appear on CNN. So that's the platform part, is that people are already familiar with you and your writing and your voice and your opinion, like on, on, a, on a larger scale. Now, you, you may not necessarily be on, be on CNN or have done TED Talks, but those are just two examples of things that would be considered um, part of the platform because when you have that, then it's, it's easier for us to now circle back to other outlets that haven't interviewed you. But if you've been interviewed on CNN, Mm-hmm. more than likely we can get you on ABC or Fox News or MSNBC because you've already done CNN. But if you haven't done any of those um, and you don't have some type of reputation and resume behind you to support, mm-hmm. there, there's other people that are trying to get on CNN as well. So, again, just everyone is competing for a said space, whether it's said space on TV to get the book deal, to get inside the magazine. So the people that come to the table with a hearty readership, as well as just quality um, placements and things that they've already accomplished before they come to you, it just makes it that much easier to work with them. Okay. Because, again, the, editor, the editors that are buying, they want mm-hmm. that as well. Because, again, people want to know, the more people you know, they automatically expect the more books yourself. So if you have an article that goes viral because you wrote about Allen Iverson, a former NBA player who's now broke, and 20,000 people took the time to share that article. And Allen Iverson himself is already an NBA basketball player that everybody knows. All of that information helps the editor decide, yes, I definitely want to buy this book. Yes, I want to work with this author. And now we also can make a decision on how many books we need to print 
based on the popularity of the subject matter as well as the platform of the person who's writing this book. And that person happened to work um, for the Washington Post, which is one of the top four newspapers in the country. So, again, all of that platform comes into place, and, and it's not just a popularity contest. It's really, like, for the business. You know, what media outlets should we go to? How many should we print? Should we pay to send this person on tour or not? All of that comes into play based on platform. Okay. Yeah. All right. And it goes for novelists as well, but more so nonfiction is very important. Like, as a as an agent that um, only acquires nonfiction, you have to have a platform. And because I'm a publicist, I know what that looks like. So you have to have a platform for me to represent you. And it can okay. only grow from there, but you have to come to the table. It can't just be, oh, you know, I have a passion for writing, but I've never done anything else except write. That, that won't be enough for me. Um, there are agents that, you know, that, that look for that raw talent. But, again, even they know that without a person having a platform, it's the difference between if all things being equal, you're an agent, your client has good writing, the editor loves it. I have a client that has good writing and the editor loves it. But my client has a platform and yours doesn't. Nine out of ten, the book deal is going to go to me. Simply okay. because, again, that, that oh. becomes the tiebreaker. If all things are equal, writing and everything, whoever has the larger platform and has the potential to sell the most books is the one that will wind up with the deal. I get it wasn't that. always okay. like Patrice. that, but within the last ten years, it's... <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, what did you mm-hmm. say? The game has changed. <laughs> yes, it has. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. Oh my goodness, Patrice! Yeah. Do you have any other questions? Oh, no, that was it. That was good. The TED talks are huge. I love the TED talks, but no, that was good. I I just really so are was, you are you writing fiction or nonfiction? Um, I'm doing fairly entertainment non or fiction. Okay. Yeah. And, and so I even with, so even with fiction, there's there's a website you should check out. It's called Wattpad. W a t t p a d dot com. Mm-hmm. Because okay, so. Room. So that is, that's an online platform. But a lot of agents are finding talent on, on Wattpad. So basically, you don't even have to have a completed book. You can have the first three chapters of a book up. You can start an account, choose your genres, and then you can begin to put um, your sample chapters up there. Readers are already on there looking for content that they like to read. So it's a way to quantify who's reading your first chapter. We've signed someone that I think had like a million people read her first chapter. Mm. A million people that took the time out to read the first chapter of a book that doesn't even exist yet. But, again, she's able wow. to quantify that. So when she's reaching out to an agent, she can say over a million people have read chapter one of this book that she's pitching us. So, again, it's quantifiable. Now, if out of a million people that read chapter one, you know, mathematically you can come up with, with um, you know, with some analytics to basically say out of a million people, how many people would then turn around and buy the full book. But, again, it's a place to start, and she's actually now gotten in contact with people who are interested in her writing. And that's the whole platform part. It's like, who's your audience? Who are you coming to the table with that's already interested in your content? And not interested in content because it's a romance novel, but interested in the content because it's a romance novel novel coming from you. There's a difference, yeah. And that's the whole platform. There's tons of romance novels. But do people want one from you because – you constantly do these Facebook short stories and people are so caught up into these characters that they want you to put it into a book. Like, then tell us about the 7,500 people 
that tune into your Facebook Live every Friday for you to basically talk about these characters or read an excerpt from a book that you're working on. See, those are quantifiable. But just to say you have a Facebook okay. page, you know, that's that's not enough, yeah. Right. Not enough. Okay. Yeah, listen, everybody has a Facebook page at this point. Pretty much. Pretty much. Who doesn't have one? But okay. All right, Patrice, I'm going to put you back in the queue, okay? But thank you so much for calling in and asking a question. Thank you, ladies. That was your Thank you. Yes. Yeah, please visit the website, dreamrelationspr.com, and leave your email um, address subscribe to our um to our list and I'll always be sending out like tip sheets and things like that. All right. Thank you ladies. Oh you're welcome. Okay. Okay, I'll put you back in the queue. All right, wow. All right. And I just got as I'm listening to Patrice, I got another inbox that two six seven was just listening. So you're safe two six seven. I won't take your call but you said good show. Okay, so Dawn, um I'm gonna wrap it up. What would you want to leave the listeners with in regards to this whole self-publishing agent, publicist, and everything? So it, so I guess the relationship could, you know, be something that was good in the sense of going, you know, working like a well-oiled engine. Like what would you like to leave yeah. the listeners with? Well, okay. So um, I'll, I'll leave them with two things. One, if you are going to self-publish, it's important to uh-huh. take the time to set aside what your responsibilities are as an author versus what your responsibilities are as a publisher because there are some things that are different. And a lot of times if you're an author, you're focused on the creative aspect and, and, not, and not the business. And a lot of people have really bad publishing experiences only because there's so much that they didn't cover as far as being the role of the publisher. Like people forget the business side of it, and then they wind up having a horrible experience and spending a lot of money unnecessarily. So every self-published author should say, two lists, this is my responsibility as an author, but now take yourself out of the author hat and say, this is my responsibility as a publisher, as the business person behind this book. These are my responsibilities. Um, and it's important to have two, two separate lists to make sure that you get things done or delegate to get things done. Um, and then the second thing is just because you self-publish, it does not mean that you can't get a, um, a literary agent and a deal with a major publishing company after the fact. Like we've, ha- we've had several authors um, that that has happened to. If your writing is good and you work on getting your sales up, you get publicity, all of that could be presented to a literary agent for when you're ready to do book number two. And you can say, this is what I accomplished on my own as a self-published author. These are what my sales were. This is the publicity I got. This is my social media following. Um, and now I'm ready to try my hand as an agent for book number two. And as long as you have good sales, you'll, you'll definitely get an agent that will, um, that will look at it. And, again, it would have to be for book two. Nine out of ten, they're not gonna, um, no one is going to republish the first book. Publishers want something new. Okay. Yeah. But just okay. because you self-publish right. today does not mean that you can't have an agent, you know, a year from now and a book deal, mm-hmm. you know, 18 months from now. One, one does not negate the other. And it doesn't mean that, you know, you could have an agent, and after two books, you say, okay, you know what, I want to do something different. Your agent may not be interested in that. And then you find yourself self-publishing book number three. Like, you're not locked in mm-hmm. either way. I've worked with authors who right. have had agents and gone that route and then decide to self-publish. 
And then I've had those who have self-published and then got agents and, and enjoyed the process. But you're not locked in either way. Okay. So I think that's right. important um, for people to know. Like, don't forfeit your dream, whatever it is. Yeah. Okay, that definitely makes sense. So I guess um, one other question um, before you go I would have with what you just said with the sales, mm-hmm. because when you say sales, you're talking, obviously, you know, people purchasing the book. But in this climate, you have so many people screaming that they're these best-selling authors and okay, well then you have yes. you need the numbers to back this up. So define sales. Like, what are you talking? Are you saying okay? So, so okay, an integrity check is because I I see too many people with best-selling author, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I don't I don't know what that means. Maybe best-selling on your street. I don't I don't know what that means personally. But I will tell you this: okay. like, what I tell my self-published authors to do, even authors that are not necessarily self-published, but they're with a small press. Every time you go to uh-huh. events, if you're doing a book tour or whatever, find, like, keep track of how many books you've sold. Like, okay. just keep track of how many books, like, honestly, like, okay, I was at Barnes & Nobles in Edison, New Jersey, and I sold 25 copies. I was at Black Girls Rock Picnic, and I sold 65 copies. And you put the date and time. Uh-huh. I used to work in uh, retail as a store manager, and one of the things in the ledger is every day that the store is open, you can go and look back the previous year and say, oh, okay, so January 23rd last year, it was snowing. So we didn't make a lot of money. So that now is basically your projection for how much money you should make today, even though it's, even though it's not snowing. And then whatever you do today will be used to reference for, um, for next year in 2018. So keep track of where you go. You know, was it a large event? Was it a small event? Was it publicity involved? And then how many books did you sold? That's an honest way to um, – that's an honest and simple way to track. And obviously if you're on Amazon and oh. you get your royalty statements, then you, we can get numbers from there. But when you're self-published and all the books are literally mostly hand-to-hand outside of e-books, uh-huh. that's the honest way to, um, to, to keep track. And if people are ordering from your website, then that's another way to keep track because at that point in time you could just retrieve the, um, retrieve the emails. Uh-huh. But, but they want an honest accounting. They're not expecting you to say you sold 25,000 copies. Like they just want an honest accounting. We know what's considered a, a good, um, you know, a good run. And there's really okay. no number that okay. people are wedded to. You just know based on the type of, type of book. Like I had a self-published author sell 1,000 copies in her first month, but we also had a client whose book came out of Simon & Schuster the same month, and her and her co-writer, they sold 1,000 copies. One person self-published, another book is with a major publishing company and has two authors attached. But in the first 30 days, their book both came out in March of 2012, and the first 30 days for both of those books, they sold 1,000 copies each. So it's, oh, it's really just, you know, it's really about the grind and the hustle. Because the self-published author, all her books were in the, her, in the living room. You know, and she had mm-hmm. her husband and her children to help her out. These other two authors have the whole marketing machine and Simon & Schuster and everything behind them. They both still produce 1,000 books in 30 days. So it's not really, there's no, yeah, there's no bucket list number that you have to reach. It's really Mm -hmm. just how many can you sell in the shortest amount of time? You know, now if you sell 6,000 in in six months and you're self-published, that that means you're selling 1,000 books a month. That's decent, knowing that you have no distribution. Right. You know, that's decent. Those numbers might not fly if you're with HarperCollins because they, they might be expecting a lot more than that. 
especially since there's national distribution mm-hmm. involved. But when all the books are in your living room or in your garage and you sell a 1000 a month consistently for six months, that is close to have a conversation. There you have it. All right. Yeah. Well, Dawn, I want to thank you so much for being on the Writer's Life Chat. As always, oh, you're welcome. To guess, you're welcome to come back anytime, drop some jewels, um, give some insight or any of your endeavors that you're doing. Um, yeah, but this was cool, and I appreciate it so much. Oh, no problem, Keisha. I loved it. Um, and so just for, like, social media, the website, everything is Dream Relations PR. And I definitely answer questions on on social media. Yeah, I definitely answer questions on social media. People can leave comments, subscribe to the website. But this year I'm I'm being more mindful to share a lot more because I see how much people really need it. So I'm going to be doing um, a Mm -hmm. lot more. So I definitely will be back. I'll definitely be back with you. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Dawn, and take care and have a great rest of your evening. Thank you so much, Keisha. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Wow, that was dope, if I have to say so myself. I want to shout out um, everyone who was just listening. I appreciate it. Um, the ones that inboxed me, the ones that didn't, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Dawn gave a lot of jewels, and if you weren't paying attention, please go back and listen to the archive at www.writerslikechats.com because OMG, like, for real. Like, I got some questions. I was listening to her. And I have some notes that, you know, that I can find through some things in regards to what I do and to help my clients. So you know how it is over here on the Writer's Side Chat. Caring is sharing, and this was super, super good. So thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate it. I will be back in about two weeks, and we'll be talking more about literary. Um, but we're going to put a focus on book clubs and literary events. The pros and the cons, because a lot of people, you know, they talk about literary events and they want to attend them, but they want to know, is it worth it for me to go, rather it be something that's local or something traveling? So we're going to talk about literary events and book clubs, you know, how do you get your book, you know, pitched to a book club to be featured this, that, and third. Tune in two weeks. We'll be back, same place, same time. But as always, I thank you so much for tuning in. And that's it. I'll see you guys later. Bye.